Welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. I'm your host, Lonnie Swain. I'm a media veteran, digital content creator, and strategist. My career has required many cross-country relocations from my hometown of New Orleans to Baltimore, St. Louis, Chicago, Dallas, back to New Orleans, and now Miami, Florida. The purpose of this show is to remind you that everyone has to go through something to get somewhere. I lead personal and professional development conversations in hopes of inspiring you to live your best and most authentic lives. Thank you so much for listening. Now let's get into the show. Today's episode is all about fertility. So I have joining me Dr. Sasan. She is a renowned obstetrician gynecologist in New York, and she is passionate about reinventing women's health, which I love. She is a board certified OBGYN and rated one of New York Times top doctors in 2016 and 2017. She did her residency in obstetrics and gynecology at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York. Subsequently, she practiced as a full-time faculty member at the I. School of Medicine at Mount Sinai for eight years. She has been the Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Mount Sinai since 2010. She also served as Chief Medical Officer at Egg Banks from 2015 to 2016. Dr. Sasan is currently a founding physician at Kind Body and serves as the Medical Director of Clinical Services. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sasan. Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here and I'm so honored to be um, communicating and chatting and sharing such important information with your listeners. Absolutely. And before we get into all of my burning fertility questions, tell us a little bit about what Kind Body is and how it is kind of reinventing women's health. So Kind Body is a brand new platform in women's health and fertility. We are actual medical practices. First location is currently at 693 Fifth Avenue, and we will be building a network of medical practices across the country, starting with our home here in New York. And what we will be providing is a full spectrum of GYN services, as well as the entire array of fertility services, which would include egg freezing and vitro fertilization or anything that someone may need in an effort to conceive if they're having difficulty conceiving. We also provide as an adjunct to these services, uh, mental health and nutrition services as it relates to women's health and fertility because we at Kind Body realize that your mental health and your nutrition are obviously paramount in your wellness and, and that wellness and fertility go hand in hand and should not be separated. And so one of the focuses of Kind Body is to fix this fragmentation that currently occurs in women's health where your gynecologist is in one place, your fertility doctor is in another place, your nutritionist may even not exist, and your mental health is often ignored. And so we really want to pay attention to all of those things, recognizing that a woman is really... It needs to be looked at as a whole picture and not just part. Love that. And the thing I think that a lot of people get confused about is like, why is or has fertility and your your doctor OBGYN kind of been separated for so long? Do you do you know why that is? So I think it's twofold. Um, I think that one is that fertility, unfortunately, as a whole in our society is very stigmatized. Uh, Mm -hmm. People don't like to talk about that they're having fertility issues. 
Um, yes. You certainly don't talk about it in the open. Uh, I think that it's looked at almost, unfortunately, in a shameful way. Like if you're supposed to reproduce, that's just what you were kind of invented for. It may sound a little archaic, but that's the way right. our society functions. Mm-hmm. And if a woman is having fertility issues, whether it's a miscarriage or uh, or needing to have a termination for whatever reason or having issues getting pregnant to begin with, or maybe wanting to delay her fertility. So any of those decisions, it's all silent. It's all behind closed doors. And and one of our missions at Kind Body is to destigmatize fertility. Let's talk about it. Let's bring it out in the open because we feel that the more people talk about it, the less scary it will become. And the more women share their story, whether it's with your friends or with your family or even with strangers, that it becomes just a natural topic. Yes. And uh, and with that will come knowledge and more people will be informed and mm-hmm. uh, and it will just be normalized the, yes. the same way the same way as many other aspects of medicine are now normalized and people talk about them more openly. Mm-hmm. So that, that would be my first. And then why is it that fertility isn't talked about in the medical setting? Uh, there was actually a really interesting survey that was recently done where they actually asked practicing OBGYNs, do you talk to your patients during their normal well-woman checkup about fertility? And a resounding number of people said no. And then when they went back and said, well, well, do you think it's important? They said, absolutely, I think it's very important. But they still said they didn't talk to them about it. Right. And when you went back and said, okay, so you think it's very important to talk to women about fertility, but you, but don't, you don't do it. it. <laughs> right. Why? And uh-huh. the answer was time. And that's mm. really sad or a lot yeah. of time. Right. And that's really sad. Um, and I can speak to that. You know, when you talk, when you come from a medical world that has been overtaken by the insurance companies, yeah, unfortunately, and doctors are mandated to have to see a certain number of patients in order to meet their productivity platforms and, and protocols and, and mm-hmm. quotas. They're really required to see an insurmountable number of women in the same day. And as mm-hmm. a result, those visits become 10 minutes, 15 minutes tops. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when you only have 10 minutes to talk to someone, oftentimes whatever their actual problem or issue is takes precedence to just a general discussion about fertility. And I recognize that as a physician, and that mm-hmm. is truly one of the things that one of our missions at Kind Body is to normalize the discussion and to make it forefront in women as a young age, too, not mm-hmm. to scare young girls to to make any action, but just the younger you start talking about it, then it's on your mind and you can, right. depending on where you are in your life, make the appropriate decisions and act upon it as it is appropriate to you. Exactly. And just to echo what you were saying about the, the shaming of infertility issues, I was able to see Gabrielle Union, the actress, speak at the Blog Her conference. And that's one of the things that she said that she's now been more vocal about her fertility issues, but she laughs at the lengths that her doctors would go through to hide her going to the fertility clinic. Like they would, you know, bring her up the back way and the back stairwell and, you know, dress in uh, disguise and all this stuff because it was like, you don't want to be seen going to a fertility clinic. And it's just like so crazy to me that that's the way 
people view it. And then one of the other things that she mentioned, which I think is important, you know, in addressing fertility issues, even when you're younger, is that she said that Gabrielle Union, that is, said that she had had some issues with her cycle when she was younger and she was just put on birth control. And then when she decided she wanted to have kids and got off the birth control, it was like, hey, we're we're back. We never went anywhere. Those issues that you were having before and birth control is just really masking it. And I think that when you're not in the the space of trying to get pregnant in that moment, you don't realize how your body is telling you you may have some issues when you do decide to get pregnant. Precisely. And unfortunately, the standard answer or recommendation to women is, oh, you're young. Don't worry about your fertility. When the time comes, you'll try. And then if you're having a problem, then if you're having a problem, you'll take care of it then. And when you really stop and listen to what that advice is, the Mm -hmm. advice is, oh, you're young. Don't worry about it. And -hmm. whenever you're ready to have kids, see what happens. Right. And, um, and if you really stop and listen to those words, you're like, really? That's what we're telling people about their fertility? And mm-hmm. it should be shocking, but unfortunately it's not because that's what everyone is used to hearing. And to me, I think that if you look at all the aspects of medicine, the focus right now of our modern medicine is prevention, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's about preventing heart disease or preventing obesity or preventing high cholesterol or diabetes, whatever the case may be, we're all about prevention, right? We're teaching people to eat better, exercise, lose weight, whatever the case may be. And yet this one huge part, procreation, fertility, fertility, Mm -hmm. the the reinvention of another human, which is really a miraculous thing that we do. We say, oh, well, let's just leave that one to chance and let's not talk about it. Because, uh, and and it's really strange. And I think what needs to happen is similar to what happened in the late 80s, early 90s with the sexual revolution. Mm -hmm. People didn't talk about sex. And, you know, there was the HIV AIDS epidemic and hundreds of thousands of people were dying, right? Right. You and I are, I think, the same age. And we remember that. And, Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you started to talk about sex, whether it was in school our condoms and and at the beginning people were like oh, you can't teach children to <laughs> right or, even uh, though oh they're God. doing it you know yeah uh, <laughs> or people were like you can't give out free condoms that's going to make people promiscuous right right and i think the same thing so right now for example one of the uh, one of the things that kind body is doing is that we have our mobile fertility pop-ups and we're also going to summits and you know wellness summits and we are advertising or telling people about it on social media. And as a result, women from their 20s and 30s and even 40s are coming. And what we offer them is an opportunity to learn a little bit about fertility and offering them an opportunity to have a fertility test or part of a fertility assessment done on site. And then we give them follow-up later with their results and explanations. And one of the responses we got from some media was that we were scaring young women by telling them about fertility or that we're scaring them into doing something like freezing their eggs. 
Wow. And uh, and I thought that was I was like we're just sharing information. No one's like strapping anybody down. And <laughs> right. Uh, uh, and so that I but I think it's analogous to when people said, well, if you give people condoms, they're going to be promiscuous, right? Right. Well, we yeah. learned that actually providing condoms just made people who are having sex have safer sex, and hence now we've really re- changed sexual disease, right? It's right. not that it's eradicated, but it's become less common. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that on the same note, by providing women with information where they work and where they play, whether that's on the street or it's on Instagram or if it's on Facebook, and we know that the modern woman, those are avenues where they gather information. And so by providing them that information or giving them access to a place like Kind Body where they can go and have a fertility assessment and just find out, okay, where am I at? Mm-hmm. And to be given options, whether it is egg freezing or a woman who's having fertility issues to have options uh, for her fertility care, I don't think should be thought of as scaring people. I think it's just providing information. And the information, as you said at the beginning, is long overdue. Exactly. And that's the thing. I think that at first people are afraid of it, but then they realize, you know, there are people that still are afraid to go to the dentist or the doctor because they just don't want to know, you know, they want to just keep their head in the sand. So I think that this is not for those people, the people that want the information and who want to make more informed decisions, I think really do appreciate having the access to it. And that part is, I think, overdue and just creating that conversation. Um, Absolutely. And before we get into the fertility testing and what all of that means, I wanted to clarify something. It is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And you mentioned miscarriages briefly earlier. Is that a part of infertility when you're not able to see a pregnancy to term? It certainly can be. Uh, We know that spontaneous miscarriage is very common. Mm-hmm. And that a very large percentage of pregnancies will lead into miscarriage in the first trimester. And that's mm-hmm. typically, and that can happen in any age group. And that's typically because when the egg and sperm came together, it just wasn't a good combination. So it's almost mm-hmm. nature's way of only allowing embryos that would eventually become a person mm-hmm. from surviving. So that typically it comes down to their, the genetic makeup of that embryo is such that it can't survive. And hence okay. that's, that's the most common reason for a miscarriage. That's one thing women don't talk about miscarriages. So that when it happens to you, you think you're the only one that's ever had a miscarriage or the devastation becomes quite severe. And I think that if women were actually more open about it, you would realize that as high as, you know, 40 to 45 percent of all pregnancies can end in miscarriage, especially in those early first trimester. Mm -hmm. And when you find out that it's that common, you're like, oh, wow, okay, I'm not alone. And, yeah. uh, and and women who typically just have, you know, one miscarriage can subsequently have normal, healthy pregnancies to term without any issue. Mm-hmm. It's where um, when a woman has had three miscarriages is when we, or in general OBGYN world, would recommend that they have an evaluation. Because mm-hmm. once you become what's termed as a person who's having recurrent miscarriages, then that's a sign that something needs to be worked up. Okay. And in this then, case, it's not infertility because you're getting mm-hmm. pregnant. The right. Is, why aren't mm-hmm. you staying pregnant? 
Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think it all goes hand in hand. That's where, that's one of the missions of Kind Body is to say, it shouldn't be so bifurcated where someone who is having miscarriages only sees a gynecologist, someone who's having, you know, not getting pregnant only sees a fertility doctor and someone who's having, you know, it should right. all be comprehensive. in a very nice comprehensive continuum mm-hmm. so that there may sometimes be fertility issues that are making someone have recurrent miscarriages. For example, if there is a chromosomal abnormality that's recurring or something mm-hmm. like that. Gotcha. Uh, so it can go hand in hand. It's not always is the best answer. Mm-hmm. And just one of the numbers that I heard was one in every four women has a miscarriage. So that is pretty high and, and very common, in fact. So that's why I wanted to just see if there was a correlation, because, of course, I made the assumption fertility was strictly based on can you get pregnant? And right. that's, so I just wanted to be clear about be. that. It could mm-hmm. be because some there are so many different causes of a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And some of it can be structural. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if a woman has an abnormal shaped uterus, mm-hmm. uh, meaning the cavity where the where the embryo would subsequently implant and then yes. grow for mm-hmm. nine months, mm-hmm. uh, if there's an abnormal, it's called a septum, where it's uh, interfering with the implantation of that embryo, mm-hmm. then that could lead to recurrent miscarriages, in which case that's definitely a fertility issue. Okay. Now, someone could also have recurring miscarriages because they have blood clotting disorder or other factors or they're uh, poorly controlled diabetic. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. other factors that may not be specifically fertility related. But right. I would argue that anytime you are having issue going from having sex to holding a baby in your arms nine months later, Mm-hmm. It's, fertil- it's about fertility, right? Right. Uh, and I think that's why it's important for general OBGYNs to work side by side, and I would argue under the same roof with reproductive mm-hmm. endocrinologists and infertility specialists so that you can really give uh, each patient a full comprehensive workup. Mm-hmm. Okay. A major decline in a woman's fertility doesn't happen until after the age of 40. Is that true? That is a myth. That is okay. false. And what age would you say that women should start testing their fertility if they have not yet conceived or even if they've had a child at a younger age but are considering having a second? So I'll answer that twofold. So the initial uh, statement that you made was that 40 was the time where that major decline occurred. Mm-hmm. And um, our studies show that that the quantity, meaning the number of eggs, and the quality of eggs, meaning the quality would be determined by the genetic makeup of the egg, start to decline at the age of 35. Okay. The part that becomes difficult to explain to people is that not every 35-year-old is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. So that while age is definitely the most important predictor of fertility, not everyone is going to copy each other. So that you may have a very fertile 39 or even 40-year-old who's able to conceive naturally by having sex at home and have Mm -hmm. a healthy pregnancy and a healthy child. Mm -hmm. That may happen. You could also have a 30-year-old who's having difficulty conceiving. Uh, And so there's a saying that says 
somebody didn't read the book. Well, not right. everyone's body reads the book and knows okay. exactly when they're supposed to have this client. So that's why I think that it is important for all women, even women in their 20s, to, to just be aware that your fertility is dynamic, that fertility is not a guarantee, uh, meaning just because you're a woman doesn't guarantee that you can have your own biological child mm-hmm. and that it changes with time and that the decline while on average is typically starts at 35. Some people decline more rapidly starting mm-hmm. at 35. Some people decline slower and some people unfortunately will have a decline before they're 35. So there are some studies just that show that one out of five women, one out of five women, will have unexplained diminished ovarian reserve, meaning loss or decrease in the number of eggs prior to the age of 35. Mm-hmm. And you, and it's not something you're symptomatic. It's not like some other illnesses where you start having a symptom and you know your fertility has declined. It's right. silent. Are there any factors that play into that, like any health issues, any um, habits or activities that can diminish? I've read somewhere that smoking weed decreases your fertility. I've read that obesity decreases fertility. Are there any that you would say are definitive? Sure. So smoking and, and particularly tobacco smoking, um, I I have read some information about marijuana smoking, but the tobacco smoking has definitively been proven. So we definitely, for many reasons, obviously, but but particularly for fertility. So tobacco smoking can diminish fertility. So we definitely encourage women for their general health as well as for their fertility to not smoke cigarettes. And then the other factors that you touched on. So uh, I think it's important for people to realize that fertility is multifaceted. Fertility is about your whole body. And that's one of the reasons why we at Kind Body talk about regular GYN care, talk about fertility care, talk about mental health, talk about nutrition, all in the same sentence, because it's Mm -hmm. all very important. And so being underweight can affect your fertility. Being overweight can certainly affect your fertility. We know that obesity, people with obesity tend to then have diabetes, high blood pressure, all of which can impact getting pregnant and staying pregnant. So we talked about miscarriages mm-hmm. before, more common in women with diabetes, more common in women who are obese. Mm-hmm. But a lot of fertility is, is genetic, um, mm-hmm. so that we encourage women, and this is one thing that I encounter very commonly, is that you'll ask someone, do you know how old your mom was when she stopped getting her periods? which is called menopause. And often women don't know, oh, we never talked about that. And then they'll come back and say, oh, wow, I found out my mom went into menopause when she was in her late 30s. Mm. Um, and and that means she had Is that common? Menopause. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, I was going to no, say. No, it's, it's not common, but if that's, mm-hmm. you know, but how sad that you go through your whole life and your mom didn't share uh, that information with you. And so that's one of the things that we want to also normalize is women talking to their children about fertility and talking to their daughters about their fertility, whether it was easy and, oh, I had your brother when I was in my 40s, or do you know that I stopped getting my periods when I was 39? And and those are all important factors. We know that a woman's mother went into menopause early. There's a chance, a higher chance than normal that her daughters or her offspring will have the same issues. And that's extremely important to know. 
especially nowadays when women are waiting longer to have children because we are pursuing careers, pursuing education. And so if you're waiting till you're 39 to have start your family and your mom stops getting your periods in her late 30s, it's possible that could happen to you. And then unfortunately... You know, now you're faced with a huge problem. To answer your question, genetics plays a big role. Obviously, that we can't control. Right. Um, but but the parts that we can control is, you know, not smoking cigarettes and being healthy, not overweight, not underweight, and just living a healthy lifestyle, everything in moderation. Those mm-hmm. are all and just your your total wellness, trying to reduce stress. I mean, all things that are easier said than done, mm-hmm. but but it's really about wellness and and uh, and living a healthy life is going to help you be will help with fertility, but also help you be a healthier pregnant person. And the mm-hmm. healthier you are entering into a pregnancy, the healthier someone will be during their pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And now I read somewhere that 40% of infertility issues can be on the, the man's part. Is absolutely. that a, a fact? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that and that's very important. And, and oftentimes the stigma of fertility falls 100% on the woman. Mm-hmm. And we want to educate couples that and truly, one of the first, if you read kind of a OBGYN textbook and a couple is having difficulty conceiving, one of the first tests that should be done is a semen analysis where the sperm is actually evaluated. Okay. And uh, countless times I'll meet a couple and they're like, oh, well, my partner says his sperm is fine, you know, or he doesn't want to mm-hmm. do that. That sounds, and um, we want to normalize that too and tell men, well, you're part of this. Obviously, 50% of having a baby is the man. Mm -hmm. And to not be ashamed of having to get your semen analyzed and that it can be done privately and no one has to to know. But even if they do know that you had to have it checked out, shouldn't be taboo. Uh, Right. It's it's part of life, right? Uh, Help men, too, not be so scared of the topic. Right. To feel more comfortable with the process that they had to have a semen analysis, for example. Right. Or feel or not feeling emasculated if they have a low sperm count or poor quality semen or whatever the case may be. Exactly. Because Um, it's not typically not something you can control. And it doesn't mm -hmm. mean you're any less of a man or that you are less macho or whatever it is your goals Mm -hmm. are as a man. Right. uh, But knowing I I really and you've touched on this before. I think the key with fertility is hopefully educate women and to destigmatize the topic so mm-hmm. that it becomes very normal to check your fertility and then recognize that if in the event that you find out there's a problem, to not look at it as doom and gloom or as something frightening, but to right. think of it as something that you can then do something to be proactive right. or you do something to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and proactive may be freezing your eggs if you're a young woman or productive could be you find out that there's low motility in your sperm, then there's something you can do to help you have a family. And just to really quickly, since we talked about some genetic things that might play into a woman's fertility, is that a genetic um, trait that may be passed down if, say, you know, their father had fertility issues, then maybe it would be passed down to the son or is it more of a lifestyle issue or health issue or how, how does... 
Uh-huh. So it's multifaceted. So there's one okay. aspect that, you know, any couple that's planning on conceiving what whether or not they're having fertility problems and regardless of their age, we do recommend that um, couples should have genetic screening done. And by genetic screening, I mean uh, we can now check, it's pretty standard, we can check for about 286 different diseases to see if a couple is a carrier. And so that could be things we've heard of, like sickle cell disease. I'm sure you've heard of sickle cell. Yes. So you can screen to see if you're a carrier for sickle cell and then Let's say a woman is a carrier, then she would test to see if her partner is a carrier. And if they're both carriers, then there's a 25% chance that they could have a child with that disease. So there's carrier screening for a variety of genetic illnesses. Some are rare, some are more common that people can be tested for. And that's something that you should be done for anyone who's planning uh, on having children. Mm-hmm. Again, that's yeah, regardless of fertility issues. Um, but in the event that someone is having, for example, recurrent miscarriages, we often would actually check the, the woman and the man's chromosomes. So you can actually draw your blood. It's not, it's not um, more invasive than that. And you can actually have a, a chromosome testing of the woman and the man to make sure that they don't have some, you know, they both may be quite healthy, but they may each have a deletion on one of their um, chromosomes that partner together causes these miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's a part. And then okay. when we talked earlier about premature ovarian failure or if someone has a family history of women going into menopause early, we can actually check for something called fragile X syndrome. Again, it's mm-hmm. genetic. But these are all things that people have never heard of. Right. And, um, and I don't mean to belabor it right now because mm-hmm. it's a whole bit, another topic, but, um, but just to realize that, that genetics certainly plays a role. Now, when you get into the phase of, okay, I realize I'm having some fertility issues, I'm trying to get pregnant, then there is a test that I took at the Well Summit and it's testing for AMH. Can you tell us about that testing? Sure. So AMH stands for anti-malarian hormone. It's a hormone that's actually excreted by the by cells that are around the follicles that are in the ovary. Okay. Um, and uh, follicles will mature to become eggs, and there are certain cells that are around the follicles that excrete this hormone. So it's unique than other hormones that. Like, for example, your follicle-stimulating hormone is also something that's checked when you're having a fertility evaluation. That's actually a hormone that's made in the brain. Um, And so this one is uniquely actually coming uh, from cells within the ovary. Okay. And, um, And the key for women to understand is that nothing in fertility is black and white. Mm -hmm. So nothing in fertility is going to say, yes, you're fertile. No, you're not fertile. There's no one test that exists. Um, It's multifaceted and there's little pieces of the puzzle that you have to put together to then get the full fertility picture or full fertility assessment. The AMH, um, which is what we're offering at our mobile fertility pop-ups and at certain events like you had at the Well Summit, can be an important player. Or an, or an important piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And what it can give us an assessment of is um, an estimation of the number of eggs that a woman has 
which is often referred to as your ovarian reserve. And we had this conversation at the Well Summit that a friend of mine, a couple of friends had some testing done and they said, oh, you know, my rate was high. I have a lot of eggs. Mm -hmm. They thought that there was like a definitive number. By, right. by saying like, oh, okay, you're normal, you're good, then that means you have 500 eggs or something. When someone right. says it's normal, that is not equivalent to any specific number, correct? It's absolutely correct. Um, we don't have a way of actually counting the number of eggs that a woman has. So our scientific research shows that women are born, all women are born with typically about 2 million eggs at birth. And by the time we have our first period, so if you think about it, usually 11 to 13 years old, our egg count has already decreased to roughly 300,000 to 400,000 eggs. Wow. And um, and then it's estimated that we probably lose about 1,000 eggs every month. So mm. that's those numbers should make you go, wow, really? <laughs> yeah. So, and, it, and it is. Right? Mm -hmm. So before... By the time our first period, we went from 2 million to about 300,000. So that's a dramatic right. um, drop. But we exactly. do not have a way to actually count and say, okay, you have you know, 430,250 eggs. That science does not exist. Mm -hmm. But what we can tell someone, and this would be a full assessment, would be um, doing a sonogram, which is called an antrophollicle count. It's a special sonogram where a doctor or a technician is actually counting the number of follicles that are in the ovary at, mm -hmm. on the second or third day of a woman's menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. On that same day, second or third day of the menstrual cycle, we will also check a follicle-stimulating hormone, which is called the SSH. Mm -hmm. And then we do an AMH can be done at any time during a cycle. And this, those three things combined with a thorough knowledge of a woman's medical history, surgical history, what your menstrual cycle is like, your family history, so really taking into consideration the woman's full picture combined with those three objective pieces of information, which would be the AMH, FSH, and the antral follicle count, can then give us a good idea of, okay, how many eggs does this woman have and what is her likelihood of being able to conceive? Naturally. Naturally. Even then, no one can tell someone 100% when you have sex tonight, you're going to be pregnant. You know, right. that, that doesn't exist. Now, to go back to the, the previous recommendations that doctors would say, okay, don't worry about that until you're ready to get pregnant. If you do all of this testing, but you are not ready to get pregnant in that moment, is it true that there's a good chance by the time you do decide to get pregnant, whether that be next month or next year, those numbers could have significantly changed and now your likelihood is different from what it was when you originally got tested? So I would say the answer to that lies in how old a woman is. And one of our missions at Kind Body is to really have women start having a conversation with themselves. You know, how old am I today? What are my life plans? Do Am I in school and planning on seeking out a PhD, which is going to take me another 10 years? Mm -hmm. uh, and is my goal to become an executive at a company? Or am I trying to figure myself out? I'm not sure what I want to do. Or am I waiting to meet the right person and I'm not sure when that will happen? 
or I have plans to travel the world, whatever it is, but to really start thinking about how old am I today and what is my plans for, for my life and what is my ideal family? Do I want to adopt? Do I not want to have any children? Or do I want to have three or four kids? And, and to really think about those things because, yes, so let's pretend someone is 30. And they come and have a full fertility evaluation, their AMH, their FSH, their follicle count, go over their medical history, and everything is perfect. Every box is checked. You're good. But that 30-year-old decides for whatever reason, again, it can be a multitude, to wait until she's 38 to have her first child. Well, during those eight years, a lot changes, um, yeah. and in particular, fertility declines. And like I said, the number that we typically will tell women is around 35. We start seeing a rather dramatic decline in the number, quality, and quantity of eggs. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you can't turn around and say, well, it was good when I was 30. Um, <laughs> right. So, so one thing that women can do, and we want to know you have an option, is if at 30, you're not sure if you ever want to have kids or you're not sure when it's going to happen or you're not, you don't know where career path you want to take or whatever the case may be. We want women to know you have an option and I capitalize the O in option. Mm-hmm. You have an mm-hmm. option to say, you know what, I would like to freeze my eggs mm-hmm. to give myself that backup or the or insurance that in mm-hmm. the event that when I'm 38 and I'm ready to have my family, whether it's your first kid or maybe that's your third kid, that you have that option. And we don't say egg freezing is a guarantee to parenthood, but it's okay. going to give you, in the event that you do have fertility issues when you're 38, if you have frozen eggs, you're going to have a better chance of pregnancy than if you didn't. Mm-hmm. Is egg freezing typically covered by insurance? If you're Because that's been another issue that... I've heard people say, you know, fertility issues typically aren't covered by insurance because it's an elective kind of thing. Right. right. Unfortunately, we do live in a society currently where um, many insurances do not cover fertility, including egg freezing. However, we are starting to see a change, and that change is currently starting with employers. So there are some very progressive employers, particularly if you look at places like Google and Facebook and a lot of others that are starting to follow suit and that they're providing fertility benefits for their employees. Some insurances, depending on, again, where you work, may also have fertility benefits. Mm-hmm. And where um, I anticipate that we will see more and more employers and then mm-hmm. eventually the insurances will kind of follow, play copycat, I guess, or follow suit. Yeah. Um, so that I'm, I'm hopeful that in the next, you know, 10 years, it will become more covered. But in yes. the meantime, one of our missions at Kind Body is to make it more accessible. We feel very strongly that getting your eggs frozen or having fertility care should not be something that's only available to someone who makes a lot of money and that it shouldn't be something that's only available to people that are, you know, in the upper class or or upper income uh, bracket. Mm -hmm. And so we are in our company making it more accessible by bringing down the cost. So for example, currently uh, we are offering an egg freezing cycle for $5,000 and we're Mm -hmm. very open and transparent about that cost. Mm-hmm. And um, and share with women right up front, you know, 
the things that are included and what may not be included, et cetera. So that's one of the things we're doing. Um, and then we're also offering financing to women who may be recognizing even $5,000 is not chump change. And we recognize right. that, but to offer financing so that instead of having to pay all of that upfront, that you can pay monthly still have access to to this amazing thing that you can do for yourself. Awesome. And before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask another question. Like, for example, I have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and I have hormonal issues. So it may Mm -hmm. not necessarily be an egg issue. And in those types of cases, do you automatically recommend egg freezing or is it more of like a hormone treatment that because some people have said if you get on birth control for a couple of months, it'll regulate hormones. Are there other alternatives outside of egg freezing for other fertility circumstances? Absolutely. So polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is PCOS, is a really important thing to talk about because it's very common. And unfortunately, because there's such a wide spectrum of presentation of polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, some women will go undiagnosed for many years, and and sometimes people are kind of given band-aids for PCOS yes. instead of really getting to the bottom of it, like, let's help you fix this if mm-hmm. we can. And I think oftentimes, too, um, <clears throat> so you mentioned birth control. The way that birth control can help, so polycystic ovarian syndrome in some women, again, it has a very broad spectrum of presentation, but some women with polycystic ovarian syndrome can get pregnant easily, meaning have sex at home when they get pregnant, and some women with PCOS may have difficulty conceiving and need fertility assistance, Um, and not every person with PCOS is going to be the same. Where birth control can be helpful is if someone is not ovulating, they don't get a period, and so some women with PCOS might go a year without having a period because their hormones are balanced, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. In that case, the birth control pills are helping regulate that menstrual cycle, Mm-hmm. So that the lining of the uterus doesn't become so thick because a PCOS patient who does not have periods, let's say for many months at a time or even up to a year or some women don't have periods at all unless the doctor gives them something, mm-hmm. that lining will continue to build up and can actually lead to the formation of abnormal cells, which if not treated can become cancer of the uterus, which is endometrial cancer. Mm-hmm. And so the birth control pill is to help just regulate the cycle and keep the lining of the uterus from getting sick. Okay. But going on birth control pills isn't going to help you get pregnant, right? Right. Hence the word birth control. Right. <laughs> right. Um, uh, and, um, and so, but some people are like, oh, well, I have PCOS. My doctor gave me the pill, so I'm fine. Well, mm-hmm. it's fixing one part of your problem, which is preventing the lining from getting thick. But right. If someone has PCOS and their goal is to become pregnant, then we have to really get down. And a lot of times it's changing their diet because people with PCOS will often, not all, but often be overweight. And there are studies that have shown that even as small as a 10% reduction in weight in an obese PCOS patient can help normalize their hormones. And once their hormones normalize, they're ovulating and they can get pregnant. So it could Mm -hmm. be as easy as introducing someone with PCOS to a good diet and exercise regimen and a nutritionist, but that Mm -hmm. could be the case. I think it goes back to recognizing fertility is never about just one thing. 
Mm-hmm. So someone with PCOS, let's say you're a PCOS woman who is 30 or in her late 20s and you don't know when you're ready, going to be ready to have kids, you, uh, someone with PCOS would still be a good candidate to consider egg freezing mm-hmm. because they can still control that one piece of the puzzle. Right. Now, you may still need fertility assistance to conceive because of your hormonal imbalance, Mm -hmm. but depending on when you're ready, then having those frozen eggs may help at least that part of the equation. Thank Uh, you so much. This has been very informative. I've learned a lot. And and then I... I think I appreciate the the phrase, the miracle of conception, because with all of these factors, it does seem like a miracle. Like there's so many puzzle pieces that have to be just perfectly so in place, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, again, our, our goal and uh, my goal as a doctor and my goal as a founding physician and our team's goal at Time Body is to just continue this conversation and, mm-hmm. um, and let women know that there is a place that doesn't have to be scary, that can mm-hmm. be warm and welcoming while still providing clinical excellence and empathy and technology. And then that place can be kind body for you to come and either learn more about your fertility or to make proactive decisions like freezing your eggs, or if you are having difficulty conceiving, that you can come to a nice nurturing place to help you have the family you want to have. So if someone wants more information about Kind Body, where can they find it? Um, www.kindbody.com. And then there, there's avenues to our various social media platforms. You can also call us. Our phone number is on the website. You can email us. If you're not quite ready to go to the office. We can do video consultations with women in the comfort of their own home. Thank you so very much, Dr. Sasan. I really appreciate it. This was awesome. It was my pleasure. It was Was my pleasure and thank you very much for having me. Was there anything that you wanted to make special mention of or that you think is important for, for women to know about fertility? I think the most important thing is to start asking questions and to not be afraid of your fertility and to not put it off and just say, oh, I'm 28, I don't have to worry about it, I'm young. Um, Or many women mistake that because they're healthy and they eat well and they exercise and they meditate, to not mistake your health for your fertility because infertility can be silent. And so to ask questions from your doctors, to ask questions from your friends, and to seek out information about your fertility because we really do think that information can be power. If you have the right information, then you can make the decisions that work for you as a woman and as a partner and if you choose to later as a mom. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. Please visit my website, LonnieSwain.com, where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter, check out companion blog posts, show notes, and lots of other cool stuff. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Music, Buzzsprout, CastBox, Anchor, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and my website. I love and appreciate all of your feedback, so don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Until next time, go where you are celebrated and appreciated, not just tolerated. Talk to you soon.